0: This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. This is the Work and Life podcast, which explores how to create harmony among the different parts of life, work, home, community, and the private self, your mind, body, and spirit. Here is your host, founding director of Wharton's Work-Life Integration Project, and author of the bestseller, Total Leadership, Professor Stu Friedman.
1: Erin Owen is a transformational life coach who works with both organizations and individuals to maximize their effectiveness in managing their time, stress, performance, and key relationships. She is passionate about the study of Eastern cultures and the unique approach those cultures Have for creating harmony in work and life. She brings her talent and her passion to the work we do together in delivering services to clients of total leadership. So she is a colleague and a friend. She earned her MBA from the Kellogg Graduate School of Management at Northwestern University, and her bachelor's degree is in Chinese studies from Grinnell. Erin continues to educate herself by earning certificates of study in health, wellness, and mindfulness. So now, get set to listen and learn about how you can benefit from Eastern wisdom in developing your leadership and personal effectiveness here in the West. It's Erin Owen. Erin, welcome to Work in Life.
0: Thank you, Stu. It is lovely to be back with you.
1: It is great to have you here. So, let's start with um, how you got into this. Uh, wh- what led you to formulating your ideas and your practice in a way that really is a kind of uh, powerful and unique? blend of uh, the wisdom of the East with sort of the performance culture of the West. How'd you get into this?
0: So I was working in the thick of the lifestyle that most of your listeners has right now, uh, working 60-hour weeks, not enough time to take care of myself or nurture my relationships. And as a result of directing my attention significantly towards work and nothing else, Uh, my health took a toll. And I won't give you the the details, uh, but I will say that after trying most of the mainstream approaches, I wasn't finding success and I had to look Mm. elsewhere. Uh, So I tried yoga and meditation and acupuncture and on and on, and I was finding better results. And so I started to create my own hybrid experimentation in my life and figure out what would helped me to show up to work feeling energized again, focused, sleeping better, uh, contributing in a more creative way at work, uh, engaging more uh, presently and productively in my relationships. And as a result, uh, I had a pure and total transformation in my life across all areas and people noticed and they wanted me to... Uh, share a little bit of whatever that was with them. And, and that's what led me to uh, resigning my, my corporate consulting position and and coaching other people full-time to transform their own lives and their own performance.
1: So what was the essential idea that you grasped from exploring and studying the practices of uh, Eastern philosophy, Eastern religion, Eastern uh, ways of healing uh, that that were different than what you had been exposed to as, uh, as a citizen of the West uh, and, and as, a, as an active part of corporate America. Uh,
0: if I had to boil it down to one essential idea, it's yin and yang and understanding the dynamic balance uh, that we need in our lives uh, to make it all work, to improve our performance, to continually renew and revive ourselves through the, the ups and downs of daily lives.
1: Erin, you um, use the terms yin and yang. Can you say more about what those terms mean and the dynamic tension that that they express and why it's so important for us to take that seriously?
0: Sure. Uh, So think of yin as water. And there's flow and openness and spaciousness in your life, that could be represented as yin. And think of yang as uh, a solid rock, right? a density, a heaviness, a weightiness that helps you feel grounded, stable. Uh, That would be, for example, in your calendar, uh, all the appointments that fill up your time, whereas the yin is the open space on your calendar. So that gives you a little idea of the contrast between yin and yang. Uh, and another aspect of yin and yang that I find helpful to think about is yin is the earth. So it's what's beneath you, what's lower, what's deeper, more hidden inside, say, a cave in a dark place, uh, whereas yang is what's out there. It's external. It's vibrant. It's exuberance. It's it's the sun, uh, the daytime. And so by understanding those contrasts of qualities and, or energies, as the Chinese think about it, um, you can begin to look at your life through that lens of yin and yang and understanding where where are you in the balance? Are you having an excess of space with not a lot to do? Not likely if you're living in the modern world that most of us are in. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most of us have an excess of yang. We have so much going on, such a density to our commitments, to our time and our calendar uh, that there's no flow. There's no space to breathe and just be and enjoy what's coming into our experience.
1: So, in your practice, how do you address this issue? Uh, who comes to you and, and what do you do?
0: Sure. Uh, I primarily work with business leaders and business owners. Uh, they come to me complaining of feeling completely overwhelmed, uh, not having enough time to attend to what's most important for them. And we begin to look at what they want to do with their lives like what is what is their vision what are their goals and how are their daily activities supporting that aligning with that Uh, often they're directing their energy towards things that don't support the creation of their ultimate vision and so it's Mm a matter of beginning to notice that
1: seems a paradox if I can interrupt here (laughs) that that people are pursuing paths that are inconsistent with what they really care about uh, and, and so how do you help people to grasp that incongruity, to, for starters, as a sort of sure. diagnostic uh, intervention to see where the gaps are, because you need that, right, in order to be able to proceed with uh, the work of, of, of growth and healing?
0: Absolutely. And step one is awareness, right? By looking at what they want, what they currently have, seeing that gap's It's a wake-up call. It's an invitation to begin to think about what might be a manageable first step to bring things into better alignment. Mm
1: -hmm. And how do you get them there?
0: Uh, I look at where their energy is going. What are they most excited about? Or sometimes, what's causing them the most pain? Right? What do we need to solve hmm. first in order to create some space to attend to the more enjoyable things? And a lot of times, that that's in the work front. It's looking at sure. their over commitments. Uh, typical among executives and leaders is you know six or seven board commitments in addition to the many roles they play within their company, and it's asking the honest question, do you really want to be involved in that many commitments and that many activities? Uh, What are the trade-offs? And uh, where can you really put your attention that's going to get you the greatest return across all the areas of your life, Uh, your personal well-being, what kind of productive results you want to see in your company, uh, but also maybe you've got some um, kind of higher-minded values in terms of impact on the planet or the community or children. It's something mm-hmm. that's your personal passion, and they can bring those things together.
1: I had uh, in my classes today, uh, It's it, as we're speaking, it's just a couple of days after the 15th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. Mm-hmm. So I, I had students listen today in class to Bruce Springsteen's Into the Fire, which is a uh, it's a, it's a, an homage to the, the bravery of those people who chose as their direction to go into the flames to try to serve other people and to save them, even at the expense of their own lives. And then I asked them to write about how they envisioned their own future in terms of what service or impact they wanted to have. And it was really a powerful discussion we had about how uh, useful it is to think about your direction in terms of significance uh, of your, the significance of your life in creating uh, value for other people is—is is there something like that that you do to help people realize what their real purpose is, or mm-hmm. or do they just come into? I mean, and and relatedly, how do they get to you? I mean, why would somebody <laughs> contact you and be willing to undergo this kind of work? So, two questions there.
0: Sure. So the second question first, a little shorter answer there. Uh, they've heard about me, they've seen me speak somewhere, they've read one of my books. Uh, they become aware of my approach being a little bit different than a, a typical mainstream coach and they're intrigued. Or perhaps even they already have the beginnings of a meditation practice. They're doing mindfulness through a work program mm-hmm. or they've
1: Which is increasingly popular. We've had a number of shows on absolutely. that topic.
0: Uh, or yoga. Somebody is new mm-hmm. to yoga and they're thinking, oh, this feels good. And this woman talks about, you know, my reality of a Western business world, but she also gets the yoga thing. Let's try this out.
1: Yes. And you are certified and teach various forms of yes. yoga. Integrated, integrated yes. Integrate
0: it all through. Uh, and my approach is different. So how do we get it? you know, their big why, what's important to them. I actually mm-hmm. use uh, a signature series of activities uh, that we do either one-on-one in retreat, or I've done this with groups for companies and organizations, uh, where I first help them shift their brain activity from more active mm-hmm. beta state to uh, a calmer meditative alpha state. And we do that by relaxing in passive yoga poses, doing breathing, uh, I guide them through visualization. <sighs> And once they're in that place, they're able to access other centers of intelligence within themselves and quiet a lot of the distraction that they experience when they're in their normal kind of prefrontal cortex activity. Uh, We have so much distraction in our environment from digital devices, but also from the many people demanding our time that... Mm to carve out a little bit of quiet space and to really shift the brain uh, can help you tap into reservoirs of resource and knowledge within yourself that you're not normally accessing.
1: What, what specifically, um, say more if you will, about the kinds of things that you do to help people find uh, uh, less stress uh, in, in relatively short order? It sounds like you get to solutions pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, we try to find the uh, the place either of greatest passion or greatest pain to attend to most quickly, and hmm. uh, I do like to bring that yin and yang approach to time management for clients. So, uh, looking at
1: and and you find that Western audiences respond well to that language, or or you know, do you encounter like a quizzical, you know, what is that yin and yang? That sounds funny to me. Or I mean, how, how do people respond to? The framing uh, and the language of of the East in in our. Western world.
0: Sure, sure. So, you know, in the beginning, nearly 15 years ago, it was less common that people were aware of mindfulness and meditation. And when yoga you first started When I out. first started out mm-hmm. doing the coaching work. Now it's more mainstream. People are writing about it. Hmm. You have, you know, CEO of Cigna and everyone talking about this. So it's more common. People are more open to it. Uh, it's not to say I don't encounter skepticism, but I actually invite the skepticism because I like to help people connect the dots between what we are discovering in our Western or allopathic research uh, to connect firm what the Eastern mystics and philosophers and healers uh, observed and documented thousands of years ago. Mm. Uh, that's part of the, the passion that I have behind my practice. The approach is finding those uh, overlaps in ancient and modern ways of thinking. And often I will attend to a Pretty mundane topic like time management with this interesting idea of yin and yang and what's that. And so people will be able to look at a topic again with a fresh perspective. They're open in a new way to learning some approach that they might not be open to listening to because they've heard it, you know, 10 times before. Uh, and so I, I applied that yin and yang concept to the calendar, but also the idea that... So
1: how do you do that? Let's, let's say I came to you and said, mm-hmm. I'm too busy to get everything done that I want to get done. I'm out of touch with my children. I don't feel like I am you know feeling the natural world around me in a way that I want to. And, mm-hmm. and I don't play music enough in my life. So... Uh, and yet I've got all these other commitments doing work that I love to do. How can you help me, Erin?
0: Sure. Uh, so I would, I would have you uh, answer three questions in succession. So the first question would be, uh, what do I want to give my energy and attention to? And then take a look at that calendar. Is that reflected in what you're committed to? Uh, Second is when you get that list of what you want to give your energy and attention to, is that really what you want? Like, Be honest with yourself. Or is that someone else wanting that for you? Mm -hmm. So refine it even further. And then lastly, what else can you let go of? Because there's often something, even within that subset of what you really want for yourself, that is not truly a priority at this time in your life or could wait until the children are off to college or something uh, along those lines. And once you get a core set of targeted activities where you want to direct your time and attention, then you can begin to look at your calendar again and notice, okay, now what can I say yes to? Because in the idea of energy and flow, you're going to get more of what you say yes to. And so you've got to stop saying yes to the things you don't want and begin to really focus your energy and attention on what you do want, what supports your vision, your Mm -hmm. goals, your objectives in your relationships, in your work, in your community, and for your health.
1: So do you find that people have difficulty saying no to things that they used to say yes to? Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a habituated pattern. Uh, they have embedded themselves in relationships that are uh, kind of codependent with what they've been saying yes to. So it takes some time to shift gears and to sometimes consciously extract yourself from so like, a commitment.
1: W- so, like, what kinds of things, if, if I can jump in here, like, what kinds of things do you typically see people uh, saying, you know, that's something I've been doing that I really should stop doing?
0: Sure. Um, Sure. So I already mentioned board activities, um, and so that's a that's a big one that I work on with the executives and mm-hmm. owners. Uh, secondly, uh, there's often a commitment in the community or related to children, whatever age the children are, that someone's doing because they feel they should do, and that can be anything from baking the pie for the bake sale to committing to a volunteer and be the person on point for uh, the soccer team. You know, every Saturday. Uh, as much as people are compelled in a good way to get involved in their children's lives, there are often too many of those commitments that might drain their energy uh, and cause some unnecessary uh, grief in in the relationships and in the person's well-being uh, that can be let go of. And once that Uh, transition is made away from those activities then uh, you know the person is feeling better they have more energy they can then redirect that to just generally spending time with people that they love in a new way or perhaps finally having a little bit of time to go out to the golf course or go for a run and be in nature
1: so in your experience what what's the most difficult thing that people have uh, in in letting go of
0: anything tied up with uh, ego Uh, or self-identity around a title Uh, you know as chief executive I'm supposed to do XYZ or because I have my Wharton MBA I I'm obligated or I need to be doing a certain kind of thing Uh, or somebody of my income level or stature you know should do uh, this kind of activity and so it's it's in yoga we talk about peeling away the layers the false layers of identity to get to the core the real gem of who you are and ego is a a real challenge for a lot of people who have been on the should track. And the should track is something that I call when you've graduated, you've gone to the right schools, gotten the right jobs, you've done all the things you're supposed to do to attain a certain level of material comfort and status. And yet... Perhaps those weren't actually things that you wanted to do for yourself. They were uh, kind of put upon you by family or societal expectation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I often have clients coming to me anywhere from mid-40s to mid-60s and saying, wow, I have been on the should track for too long. I really want to step back, reevaluate, and redirect so that I can enjoy the rest of my life. D- giving my energy and attention to what I truly love.
1: I wonder, Aaron, if you could speak to uh, those of our listeners who are not in executive leadership roles but are uh, freelancers or teachers or medical technicians or truck drivers, uh, all of whom uh, you know, are part of the mix here. Um, how do these questions play out and what advice would you have for someone who is, uh, say, a, a teacher by day and an Uber driver by night?
0: Sure. So I, I think we all are experiencing pressures from needing to make ends meet. We need to make enough money to take care of ourselves, our family, our commitments. And so we're driven to uh, work more hours, uh, to work more jobs. And while there's certain part of the population uh, that they're really struggling just to, to make the basic ends meet in terms of paying the rent and getting yeah. food on the table, um, there's also another segment of the population where uh, they're caught up this, this is my belief. We're, we're caught up in this material spin this cultural identity that we have in the U.S. of needing to have one of everything. We need to have uh, one of every appliance, one of every digital device. Uh, we want to have the next best couch and pair of jeans and shoes. And I just invite my clients to say, do you really need all that stuff? What is that going to get you? Is that going to support you in mm and really realizing and experiencing uh, the reality of your core values, right? Mm -hmm. The joy that you seek in your life. Uh, and so this idea of simplifying is looking at, yes, it's looking at your calendar in terms of your commitments, but it's also looking at your material life and seeing, you know, what can you let go of? And I, I apply this idea of decluttering to every aspect of life, including relationships, uh, in a course that, that I teach and that I have available on my website. Uh, and it's really an opportunity to step back and examine uh, your commitment, uh, your desire to fill your needs through material means. Uh Look at even relationships that you're in. Uh, are they feeding your soul? Are they energizing you, or are they draining you? Uh, so that you can begin to step out of things that are negative or uh, not supporting who you are at the core and what you really believe in, and really getting more out of life by engaging in what's most positive and productive.
1: So, uh, how do you how do you approach the the challenge of uh, taking clutter away, which seems to be a very top uh, priority for so many people now. Uh, the, there's a lot of movement uh, to declutter. Mm-hmm. W- what's what's the the heart of the idea for how you go about doing that? And why don't people do it more?
0: Oh, my gosh. Uh, why don't people do it more? I think because we, we don't take the time to really consider what's important to us and what we really need. Uh, and it's all tied up in the complexity of life. If we had more time, uh, we could attend to the laundry once a week. We wouldn't need, you know, six pairs of jeans. We wouldn't uh, need to have 13 t-shirts. You know, there, there's there's an interweaving of the complexities of life here that, that I definitely want to mention. Uh, but as, for the moment, if it can just step aside and look just at the stuff. Uh, In the kitchen, I invite my clients to look at all of your single-use items, your single-use appliances, and ask yourself, Mm. do you really need uh, each of those items? Do you need a mixer and a pureeer and a blender? Could you just use one of those items? Uh, Now, if you're a foodie, I'm not looking to offend you in any way because I I myself love to cook. My husband loves to cook. Uh, Mm. But we... We really could exist with one really good knife and one good cutting board and uh, one plate for each person in the household. Do we need to have so many things? And you can apply that idea to of simplification, simplification to your books, to your furniture, to your clothing items, and so on. Uh, and it's not just about what's going to give me joy, but it's what what will meet my basic functional needs mm-hmm. on a daily basis and. Reduce this idea of excess uh, in my life. And there's also a weight to stuff that as you walk into anyone's home. If it's cluttered on, you know, every inch of wall is covered with a wall hanging and a painting. Mm-hmm. If every shelf is packed with two layers deep of the books, if there's stuff everywhere, it's a heaviness that weighs on us. Too much young. Too much yang. You've got it, Stu. You've got it. So we need to bring in a little more space for flow of, of life. But it's, it's about air quality in the home. It's mm-hmm. about really being able to breathe freely so that... We are standing tall and feeling good in our bodies and able to be more uh, in a parasympathetic state. So we're in that 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 rest and digest, relaxed state for our nervous system rather than the fight or flight, the sympathetic stress state that most of us are in running around in our daily lives.
1: We have to be in that state sometimes when we are under real threat. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, but I take from what you're saying <laughs> that uh, that that aspect of our nervous system response to the world is activated in an exaggerated way in the mo- in the modern world, and, yes. and we can control that.
0: Yes, yeah, that state of overcommitment and too much stuff and too many relationships uh, that are draining us. Like we end up feeling cornered, uh, pressured. Uh, our Literally, our breath is constricted. We're breathing in the upper quadrant of our lungs. And when we do that, we're literally stimulating the sympathetic, the fight or flight response that keeps us in the cycle of generating too much cortisol and and being stressed even more. So pause, take a breath, sit up tall go Out for a walk in nature, even if that's leaving your office to look at some trees, or mm-hmm. you know, it's your next truck stop, uh, stopping on a country road and looking at the farms around you.
1: I got to get, get into some space. you know, Missoula by 8 a.m. Yeah. I don't know if I can afford to do that, Aaron. So, what's what's uh, what's somebody uh, what's what's something that someone could do like right now if they're feeling. Uh, just overwhelmed out of control Uh, aside from visiting your website where there's a lot of very useful tools and resources that's E r i n o w e n. e-r-i-n-o-w-e-n.com what what uh, if someone's listening maybe driving home from work right now and has got a head full of steam and doesn't know how to gain a, a sense of calm right now what could that person do
0: Uh, Yeah, definitely. You can shift your focus to what you do want in your life and what you do have right now, what you're grateful for. Mm -hmm. And even in the midst of overwhelm and stress and challenge and strife, uh, you can be grateful that your heart is beating that your body is functioning well enough for you to breathe, that you can digest your food. You can start with the simplest things that we're often ignoring or forgetting about, the sustain that sustain us. That we take for granted. Absolutely.
1: And what's the benefit of doing that?
0: Uh, it brings your awareness inward, away from all the external distractions and stresses. And when you turn your awareness inward, you're activating yin. You begin to shift towards a calmer, slower, uh, Inward looking uh, attitude, right? Mm-hmm. A- activating your mind's attention to something other than what's challenging you in your relationships, in your workplace. And then you can notice how you're breathing and begin to notice your body posture. Are you slouching, kind mm-hmm. of tucking your tailbone under with your mm-hmm. belly sinking down? And instead, lift it your was. heart. Yeah, lift your head up, yeah. really open broadly across the chest. And allow your breath to expand fully through sides of the ribs, front and back, low belly. Really enjoy the fact that by doing this simple thing, consciously breathing, you're directing fresh oxygen, fresh life force to every single cell in your body.
1: So fundamentally, it's about understanding yourself as a living organism, yes. and and tuning into that.
0: Yes,
1: uh, that's a great place to start. Bo is calling from Fort Worth. Uh, Bo, welcome to Work and Life. How can we help you?
2: Hi, thanks for having me on. Um, I was just trying to just get some simple. For young executives, uh, myself, I'm, uh, I would consider myself a young executive. I 35 years old. I've got uh, one daughter who's just now entering college, so I kind of started out young and have been able to successfully transition into to different roles. And also have younger kids as well. And so I'm constantly finding my time split between my professional priorities and my uh, family priorities. And you know, trying to figure out how to deal with everything that's involved and We're talking about a little bit of decluttering mm-hmm. your life and family and relationships. And I, I find that completely difficult to do. So. Hmm. Uh, I'd love any input that you may
0: have. Uh, I think it would be beneficial for other users
1: as well. Absolutely. Uh, And and, uh, so, Aaron, uh, what what questions do you have for Bo? What ideas?
0: Yeah, thanks, Bo, for that. Uh, First of all, I completely identify with where you are in life. I'm married, have my own business. I have two children, and I understand the, the tugs and pulls of so many demands. Uh, I I would invite you first to have some compassion for yourself, that you're in the middle of of complexity of stress and sometimes uh, acknowledging that, uh, giving yourself a little bit of of love and space uh, is a first step to easing the, the rough edges Uh, And then taking some time if you can uh, by yourself or uh, with your partner or spouse to look at what's really important and is there anything that is not really necessary that you can begin to shift to let go of to ease out of. Um, one of the things that I find is often neglected in the relationships of, of busy professionals is time to really reflect with their partner. To take even five, ten minutes, just one-on-one, without interruptions from uh, children, from other commitments, to just look each other in the eye, to smile, and to say something nice to each other about what each of you is contributing to making things work. And then from there, it's about really small steps. So instead of trying to uh, boil the ocean by decluttering every area of your life, pick one small thing that you'd like to change, and then identify the smallest little step within that that you could take within the next day or week, and observe any shift that comes from that. And whatever success or positive result you might notice, you can affirm that, celebrate that, share that with others, mm-hmm. uh, share that with your partner, and then build on that so that you've got this incremental positive building of small steps in the direction of what you want.
1: But what do you think about what, uh, what Aaron just uh, advised? Does that make sense to you?
2: I think that, I think that that's very uh, good advice. Uh, <laughs> thinking about it from a managerial perspective, uh, mm-hmm. how do you suggest... Uh, Kind of and i can't think of any other way to phrase it but hidden a way to hide the tracking of that of the different trials and uh, um, things that you're trying to evaluate well no if you don't uh you don't track and trend you're not really managing it
1: <laughs> so how do you how do you assess the impact of the experiments that you're trying in terms of the results you're trying to get is, is that is that what do i have it right
2: right
0: So often uh, you can uh, publicly, this depends on the culture of your organization and the culture that you've created within your team, but you can often publicly acknowledge that you're going to attempt to make a change, that you'd like to invite the support and feedback from those people on your team, uh, whether they be you know supervisors, peers, or, or uh, people that are reporting to you. And by doing so, by opening up that you are experiencing challenges, you can create a stronger connection, a- acknowledge that you're human, allow yourself to be a little bit vulnerable. And you might find that others are struggling with the same things, they're wanting to kind of go along with you, and, and you might create some great momentum within that group. Um, if there is something that, pr- perhaps you view as controversial or not appropriate to share that environment, that I would invite you to find a support person, uh, a buddy, a a team outside of the work environment uh, to help have that external accountability. Uh, So somebody else knows what you're up to. They know what challenges you face. And they can be there at the end of that day or week when you're trying that small step to check in and say, how did it go? What did you learn? What might you build on next time?
1: What do you think, Bill? Sounds good to me. So, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, thank you again for calling. I would suggest that uh, tracking, you know, the results of whatever it is that you try, as Aaron is saying, is a really useful way to be more and more conscious of the kinds of things that you can do more of, to gain a, g- a greater sense of control uh, and to be doing the things that uh, that really do matter most to you and to the people around you. Aaron, before we uh, say farewell, can you just uh, let our listeners know how they can find out more about you and the great work that you do?
0: Absolutely. Uh, you'll find me online at aaronowen.com. That's my website. There are a lot of resources there, a uh, book. I have a course on decluttering, simplifying your life. Uh, and if you'd like to be in touch, I invite you to contact me uh, through the website and look forward to talking soon.
1: I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Aaron Owen and that it stimulated your thinking, perhaps provoked you in a way that you found helpful. So now let me challenge you, invite you to try to assess the relationship of yin and yang in your life now. Is one outweighing the other? Is Yang helping you to stay grounded, or is it overwhelming and preventing you from creating space to attend to the sublime yin in your life? What do you discover from pausing a moment to ask yourself this question? I would love to hear what you discover, so write to me. Wharton.upen.edu. And if you have ideas for people you'd like to hear me speak with on this show, again, write to me at at Wharton.upen.edu. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work and Life. This conversation was originally recorded on my weekly radio show on Sirius XM 111, Business Radio, powered by Wharton. Tune in for live broadcasts of Work and Life on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern. For more about today's guest and about previous guests, check out our blog at workandlifepodcast.com. Join the conversation by commenting there or tweeting at Stu Friedman. And for more ideas and tools for creating harmony among the different parts of life, check out our website, TotalLeadership.org and my book Total Leadership: Be a Better Leader, Have a Richer Life. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share it with your friends, family, and coworkers. Until next time, I'm your host Stu Friedman, and I thank you for joining me.